And now, it's Gardening Talkback. For our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, new home, 324 Derby Street, Newcastle. Call now, 49216216. It is Gardening Talkback, back for 2018. Scott Sharp with us in the studio. We are back. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Great to see you. I'd, I'd wish you, you know, the best of the festive season and everything that we've already had, but that's like, that's in the rear vision mirror already, oh, isn't it? It's gone. It's gone. Too, you've missed the window for that. Oh, look, even Australia Day seems like we've whizzed past and off we are again. It has. It's, it's February, or, no, nearly February. It is. Now, this isn't a leap year, is it? I, that's a good you, question. That's, you've, you've put me on the spot already. I put you on the spot straight away. It's only the first. We've <laughs> only been talking for 30 seconds. You're on the spot already. This is good. <laughs> Struggling as it is. Now, if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Or, Scott, you know what you can do as well? You can send an email. Emails are good uh, because you can send pictures with your email. So, exactly. we don't, uh, so, you know, if you're creating that verbal picture for us, you don't have to. Exactly. You can send us a, an actual image. Yes, from your iPad or your, um, you know, your iPhone or whatever Android derivative you've got. All's good. Yep. Yep. We're very visual people. We are. We are. I love the photos. And we've got Marie from Swansea. And, Scott, she wants to know what effect sea salt has on plants. Hi, Marie. How are you going? Good, good. Thanks, Scott. Um, yeah. Now, what is... Um, I've got a number of plants that seem to be doing quite poorly, particularly citrus. Yes. And we're quite close to the ocean and the lake. Mm -hmm. um, and I was looking on the internet and it did... One, I found one thing that suggested that salt... that citrus don't like salt in the soil. Um, and so I, I thought I'll... Well, you can actually smell it here in the morning, particularly if you smell the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm wondering if it's being affected by that. Um, and also some other things, uh, some lily pillies. Um, and I also had a look to see if there was anything that could counteract it and uh, sort of found something that said um, calcium and something else that said a particular sort of... Um, gypsum but it was a specific sort um but i just wondered if you had any idea about it yeah, look, uh, what I'm thinking is it might be more likely that uh, your plants are just getting salt settling on them. If you can smell it in the air, then there's quite a lot of salt yeah. around. And uh, yeah. as soon as you, you know, combine that with uh, any sort of breeze, uh, it becomes, you know, has quite a oh. burning effect on the plants. Uh, oh, we, yeah, we get breeze all the time. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, look, like, I, I think yeah. that's probably going to be the, the issue for you. The, the solution um, to that is after you've had a, a strong breeze is to actually go out and give the plants a quick hose off just to get that, you know, right. that salt residue off, yeah. off the uh, leaves of the plants. Uh, look, that said, uh, I'm going to put on my uh, ancient historian's cap here. And uh, back in the day, uh, there was a place called Carthage in northern Africa and they attacked the Romans and the Romans didn't like it too much. So they went over and raised the city and then they sowed salt into the soil so that they could never have a city there yeah. ever again. So... Uh, yeah. Salt in the soil, or just generally, is never very good for plants at all, and that's why I always no. tell people don't use, uh, you know, seaweed, for instance. Uh, you know, that yeah. they might have gone and uh, collected from the edge of the lake. Uh, yeah. And no, I've never done that. No, nah. because um, you're just going to yeah, get a lot of salt know. residue that's going to wash down into the soil, and you get, your house is going yeah. to become a bit like Carthage if you keep on doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know if it's in the soil or simply on the plants, mm. but I'm guessing it is at least on the plants. If well, I had thought about raising the citrus trees up into a you know a raised bed, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know whether I need to do that or not. Uh, um, look at the. Yes. 
It depends, you know, out there at Swansea, you know, the water table, you know, your high tides and everything are quite high, so you could be getting salt residue in the soil just from that. Uh, look, raising it up, you know, you'd have to raise it up quite a bit to actually get your root system out of that, uh, you know, contaminated yeah. soil. Uh, and once your citrus tree gets large, you know, it's going to have a you know, fairly large root system that's going to go down quite deep. For my first port of call on this one, I would just be after heavy winds, so, you know, after the nor'easter has been in or a big southerly, just go and give the, the plants a light hose off, you know, as part yeah. of your daily watering. And I think yeah. you'll, uh, you know, really reduce that salt burn on there. Oh, yeah, OK, then. I'll, I will. Okay. I won't worry about... Um Raising them, I don't think. No, don't don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. And, look, and look, things are things are so things are so dry at the moment, Murray. That uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know that uh, especially out your way where it's very sandy, uh, watering is really the utmost importance in mulching at the moment. Yeah, um, and with the salt, we also had some very high tides mm. lately, and there's actually water laying in the streets. Yeah, look, I, I live yeah. over at Carrington, and I know the uh, I know the, the problems of the high tides, and uh, yeah. yeah, they have been very high recently. Yeah, so that's mm -hmm. something you just can't, unfortunately, can't change. No, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Have a nice afternoon. Bye -bye. Thanks, thanks for the call. Okay. Cheers, bye, bye bye. Cheers. Thanks, Marie. We got Diana now from Duns Creek, and she's got a question about hibiscus. Hi, Diana. How can we help you with them? Oh, hello, Scott. Uh, look, it's hibiscus palatius rubra. Yes. You know them? Yes, I do, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, my son's just bought well, probably about 40 of them to um, put a screening along the back fence. Yes. And we've got them in a, a, like a greenery, like a, a fernery at the moment. Mm hmm. Would they be all right in there for a couple of weeks or should we bring them out and put them out in the open? Yeah, look, I'd bring them out and put them into the open. Uh, if you've got them in a shade sort of area at the moment and then all of a sudden you whack them out into the full sun, they're going yeah. to become acclimatised to that shady spot and they're going to burn off very quickly, so they're going to be harmed for you uh, at that time. Uh, yeah. Look, what I would do is even put them out under a, a tree somewhere where they're still getting you know, a fair bit of you know, dappled light out there. Uh, yeah. And that will just, you know, save you having to water them as much. Uh, but that said, the wind and, you know, the heat we've got at the moment, you'd have to be watering them twice a day anyway. Uh, but, oh, look, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't leave them in a, a shade-type situation at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. They do, do, it does get a bit of sun because it's, you know, that green... Um, type stuff that they put at like a shade clock type of thing. Yes, yeah. I look and, and look. Uh, often that cuts out. Uh, you know, between twenty and thirty percent of the sunlight. So you know, oh, in, the, okay. yeah, in these hot conditions, once you stick them back out into the full sun, if you're going to yeah. plant a border or something, they're really going to suffer badly uh, from uh, not being acclimatised to the full sun. Because they're really healthy at the moment, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's um, there's little holes in the leaves. Do you know what would be eating them? Uh, yeah. I can't. I've looked under all the leaves and can't find nothing. Yeah, look, it's called hibiscus beetle. Uh, unfortunately, all hibiscus get it, uh, and they're just a, a little creature that you know scurries away, uh, comes out at night. Uh, look, yeah, okay. The only thing you can really keep that under control with is a product called Confidor, and uh, you just give that a, a light spray, uh, and that's absorbed into the plant. And so if those animals, those little insects, come and have a nibble, uh, then they're going to eat that and uh, not feel too well after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay then. And what would you recommend, uh, how far apart would you plant them? Uh, now, they can get quite large, so I'm thinking you'd probably have them Oh, look, uh, you know, at least a couple of metres apart uh, to give them some space. 
Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Thank you very much for all that. Okay, not a worry, Diana. All right, love. Bye. You have a nice afternoon. Cheers. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. It's a gardening talk back on to when you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Whatever Japanese or Korean car you drive, save up to 40% on your next handbook service at David Brown Automotive. Up to a 40% saving on your next Japanese or Korean car handbook service by factory trained technicians using only genuine parts and oils. Any Japanese car, any Korean car, with a firm pre-service quote over the phone. Our sponsor, David Brown Automotive, Bennett's Green. In the white pages under D or Google him. Everyone loves to get a great product for a great price. At Snooze, get up to 50% off Sealy mattresses. That's right, up to 50% off Sealy mattresses only at Snooze. Hurry in soon. It's amazing what a little Snooze can do. Our sponsor. Go shake up a Macca's favourite. Go all new Macca's shaker fries. Shaker fries, please. Go now. They won't last. Go full summer with Macca's. Available after 10.30am for a limited time. Two and you RFM weather. For our sponsor, Ingenia Lifestyle. Hunter Valley, Lake Macquarie and Chain Valley Bay selling now. Forecast for coastal waters. Winds are easterly at around 10 to 15 knots. Then later in the evening, turning more northeasterly. Seas around 1 to 1.5 metres into a swell of 1.5 metres. Next low tide will be just before 2 o'clock. Right now at Nobbies, winds are east to southeasterly at 10 knots, gusting at 11, humidity 79% and it's 25 degrees. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Alan from Gilliston Heights and he's got a question about roses. Hey Alan, how can we help you with them? Yeah, good day Scott and good day to all the viewers out here. I'm a first time caller. Um, my question is, uh, I've got roses, um, but they're not flowering too well since I was moved in here about probably three years ago. And they're, I, I get a, I get a long stem of, I, I don't know what you call it, um, very, very light coloured green things, uh, green stems and that keep growing, they, they keep growing. And I don't know whether uh, I, I cut them off, and it seems to produce better with the flower, uh, the rose with, with uh, buds. Right. So yep. when, when you're talking about these long uh, green stems, uh, are they coming from out of the ground below the main rose bush? Uh, no, no, just above, just above, J- just above the where the soil is. Are they? That's correct, right. and or a bit further. It, it, it varies. Okay. And they're not producing anything, so I cut them off. Yep. And that seems to give the, the roses more buds. Yeah, so look, mate, you've done the right thing. What Roses are actually, they're budded onto a wild rootstock, a briar rose, and the briar rose is always more vigorous, and, and that helps the, the main rose you know, grow faster and get more energy. So what happens sometimes is if the plant's been damaged in some way, the wild root stock can uh, try and, and take over. And that sounds what, like what's happening here to yours. So either it can mm-hmm. come from below the ground or it can come from below the bud or the graft, sometimes people call it. And so you've been doing the right thing by cutting it off because letting those briar rows, uh, you know, sort of take off and go up into the sky like they do, it's actually taking a whole lot of nutrient away from the rows that you want to flower. That's correct. 
Correct. Yeah, so, okay, so just keep on cutting it off. Uh, the other thing you can do is uh, once you've cut it off, you can just get a little bit of sandpaper or something. Or the other thing people do is they break them off and just give them a rub with their with their uh, thumbnail just to sort of, uh, you know, roughen up the area where they've come from because you don't want it to shoot from there again. And, uh, look, the other reason that, uh, you know, roses will do that, that they'll shoot like that, is because because they can be a little bit stressed for some reason. So, uh, you know, watering is really important, especially because it's so dry at the moment, and also some yep. fertilising. Have you fertilised at all, Alan? No, not at all in the last three years. Mate. Someone told me yes. that I shouldn't fertilise them once the flowers are coming up. Uh, look, they're correct with that, but after three years, they're going to be a pretty hungry little rose, wouldn't you say? Oh, I'd reckon so. Mate, yep, if, yep, if, yep. I took your no, gr- if I took your grub you? away for three years, how would you feel? <laughs> uh, hungry. Hungry, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, well, it's, what's the best thing to feed them on? Yeah, okay. So the best thing to do is in the middle of the year around June, July, uh, you actually give them a whole lot of poultry manure. And you can give them about, about a bucket full each. And that's uh, usually about, uh, you know, three roses to one bag of poultry manure. And that gives them a really good feed. You can also use that, uh, you know, that sort of granular rose food that you can get. And you can use that at that time. But oh, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Look, you, can, you can get it at any good garden centre. They'll be able to suggest something for you. The other uh, product that's very, very good, and you can actually use it all the time because it's slow release, it's called, oh, okay. su- it's called Sudden Impact. And it just comes in a container. It's like a pelletised manure, but it's, it's formulated specifically for roses. And, mate, I would go and grab some of that and start using that on your roses straight away. Uh, if you want to, in February, you can give them some poultry manure. But uh, again, I'd, I'd you know, sort of rush out um, because those guys are starving and I'd go and get some sudden impact for them and give them a good old feed with that. Okay. Well, sudden impact's a pellet, is it? It certainly is, yes. Okay. And I thank you very much and I, I love the show. I listen to it all year long. Mate, and we, and, and we love it when you ring up and we want you to keep on doing that. Thank you. Okay. And, and you are. They're doing a good job. Thank, Thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, good Thank on you, Alan. Scott. You have a nice afternoon, mate. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers, Alan. He was happy to be on here, wasn't well, he? He was very happy. And we're happy to have Alan on here as well. He asked a really good question. Very good question. Yeah, because it happens to people uh, quite a lot, uh, you know, the briar rose taking over. So good that Alan rang up and uh, gave us the heads up on that. Very good as well. Yeah. Oh, good on I didn't, do that. I didn't know that either. Oh, didn't you? No. It's a learning curve oh, here for I'm you, isn't it? a lot today. Yeah. Straight back into it. <laughs> You're doing historical references about Rome and... In Carthage. Too much. Briar Rose. It's just a, a feast of learning. It is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We've got Phil now from Maryland, and he's looking for advice about his lemon and lime trees. G'day, Phil. Now, do you need to know what sort of cocktails to use your lemon and limes in? Or? <laughs> no, I'm using my margaritas. Hey, good, okay, good on you. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we moved into this house just before Christmas. Yes. Um, and the lemon tree is about three metres high. Yep. Um, and when we went to use them on the weekend, the um, lemons are really brown in the middle or inside and they're not, they've got no juice. Yeah, OK. So... Uh, and the same as the lime tree. Yeah. Can you describe the uh, the skin of the, uh, of the fruit for me? Because they can get a, a disease called melanose, which is a fungal disease. Uh, no, they seem pretty, pretty good. They seem pretty good? Okay. So, yeah. look, what I'd be doing is treating for melanose. Unfortunately, it's not really going to help those ones that you've got there now. Uh, usually you start treating once the, the fruit is on there and brand new. 
Uh, you can even treat yep. it when the buds are on there as well. Uh, so you get a, a product called copper oxychloride. It's a fungicide that you can get. And you just, and it, look, it doesn't harm the plant. It, it's not going to harm, you know, the bees or anything like that. It's quite safe to use. And you just start using that as a preventative. And that keeps the melanos under control. Uh, so that sounds what it's like with yours. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, the ones that are uh, sort of a little bit, uh, you know, brown now, really just discard those, put them in the garbage and get rid of them. Uh, the other thing okay. as well, mate, is if your lemon tree is three metres tall, once it's finished fruiting and flowering, I'd give it a good hard prune back. Uh, because, okay. you know, once, once a, the, uh, you get that tall with the plant, all the fruit's going to be forming up on the new growth, so up towards the top of the plant. You're not going to be able to get to it easily uh, and make a difference. Now, the other thing that that will try and uh, help as well, because if you've got fruit falling onto the ground, you're going to get fruit fly coming around also. And uh, yep, that well, could... I'm just picking it up now. Yeah. And that could also be the problem with the uh, the fruit that you're describing. It could have fruit fly. It has had fruit fly in it. And uh, yeah. they've just been in there and they've made it all mushy and brown inside. So, again, not much you can do about that at the moment. Uh, that's something you have to do when the fruit's setting as well. Uh, you have to yeah. trap and spray for fruit fly to try and keep it under control and gather okay. any uh, you know fruit that's fallen down uh, and put it in the garbage and get rid of it because that will attract the fruit flies from miles around, mate. Uh, okay. Yeah, but look. Not lack of water then. Sorry, say again. Wouldn't be a lack of water. Uh, at the moment, everything's got a lack of water, but uh, the browning, yeah. no, it's more likely going to be uh, melanose or it's going to be fruit fly without seeing it. Uh, right. Definitely, mate. Give it a good old prune back once you've uh, finished fruiting and flowering, and that will uh, get you a nice, vigorous new tree. Uh, give it a feed with some poultry manure at that time, also. You know, a good bag of poultry manure around it. And uh, yep. I think you'll have much better lemons next year once once you start treating for the uh, melanose and the fruit fly. All right, thanks for your help. Okay, good on you, Phil. Good luck with okay, it. Have a great day. Cheers, okay, bye bye. Bye bye. And we've got Jeff from Brangston, and he's got a question about a lemon tree as well. Good, mate. How can we help you? Yeah, hello, Scott. Um, yeah, I heard your uh, response to the other guy's question. Mine's a bit different. Um, as you may or may not know, Brankston is a very dry place. Mm -hmm. We watch the rain go around and see the storms go past, but um, I've got a, a lemon tree which uh, has been absolutely wonderful over the last few years. Um, uh, earlier this year, I, I was giving lemons to people because I had so many, and a few of them thought they were grapefruit because they were so big. But... Um, now it's uh, it's very dry here. The grass is quite crunchy. Uh, I have watered the lemon tree a fair bit, but I've got the lemons are are only about oh, five centimetres in diameter at the moment, but they seem to be going prematurely yellow. And many of them, there are still some that are green, but the ones that have gone yellow have got black spots on them. Any answers? Uh, so they, they've got black spots, uh, and you haven't got any fruit fly or anything up there at the moment. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, I yeah. did. Uh, I have sprayed them with uh, with oil a couple of times, but maybe yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think there's fruit fly problem. But. Yeah, so oil's not really going to keep uh, the fruit fly under control. You have to, uh, you know, trap with that and. Uh, uh, also spray as well uh, one of the good things to do with uh, with fruit fly is to uh, you know get an old uh, sort of plastic takeaway container and mix up some vegemite and uh, some sort of insecticide 
and uh, the uh, fruit fly are drawn into that uh, Vegemite and then they have a you know bit of a suck at it and that actually kills them dead. So um, fruit fly could be a problem at the moment. It is fruit fly season. I'm not sure once you get up there to uh, Brankston and being so dry, they do like you know slightly more humid weather. Uh, but look, that's always worth a try to uh, you know try and keep that under control. Uh, the okay. other thing I'd be doing, mate, is just making sure that they're really well watered at the moment because when the fruit is setting like that, it's starting to you know, put all that moisture into the fruit and if they're drying out at any point in time, uh, that's you know, when you're going to start to see some, uh, you know, some yellowing off in the fruit and it goes backwards at that time. So, uh, look, yeah, good uh, deep watering at the moment is going to be very important for you. I didn't know whether there was some other... I mean, it's never happened before, um, but uh, anyway, I appreciate your comment, so I thought maybe there was something new that I hadn't... uh thought of, but yeah, okay, I'll no, stick with the watering and make myself a fruit fly trap. Yeah, but look, it's, it's going to always be the usual suspects. If you'd like, if you can take a photo on your phone uh, of some of that fruit and send it in to us at... Gardening at twinuirfm.com. We can have a look at it for you, and uh, we'll talk about it next week. Or I'll just, right. or alternatively, I'll just answer your email for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll see if I can get my uh, techno head operating and uh, and do that. So okay. Thanks very much, Scott. Anyway. That's right. No worry. And our email address again is gardening at twoinyourfm.com. It's like I'm pressing a button, isn't it? And just this little <laughs> voice comes out. It's, it's really good. <laughs> I'll stop that okay. for next week. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, mate. Good on you, Jeff. Have a nice afternoon. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Yep. Cheers. Thanks, Bye-bye. Jeff. You did make some interesting points, though, Jeff, about dry ground. Yes, very dry. It seems to be everywhere at it's, the moment. It's like walking on Smith's Crisps out there, isn't it? It's like walking on hay, I'd say. Hay, yeah. That's a, that's a good analogy, yeah. That's yeah. my front yard, just brown. Yeah. Look, I know when I go over the bridge uh, at Carrow at the moment, it's about the only green thing on the fields where they're watering all the, A, the synthetic pitch, that's very green at the moment. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and where they're watering the other pitch and there's a distinct you know, green uh, strip there, but the rest of it is just absolutely brown at the moment and who knows what's going to happen when they start training on it for football and uh, you know, if it's all, you know, all that uh, roots are all dug up with their boots and what a gra- grass burn to it, I imagine. Yeah, but look, if it does rain now, I think it'll come back very nicely, but um, if it all gets churned up with football boots and things, a lot of our fields are going to look very, very nice at all for winter. So what we're watering as well, mm-hmm. which obviously everyone has to water their garden a lot yes, more now yes, yes. with no rain, Yes, surely there's restrictions. Uh, there's no restrictions at the moment. Uh, there's just the, uh, you know, hunter water, um, you know, watering hours. You can't use, uh, you know, sprinklers willy-nilly in the middle of the day, <laughs> yep. that sort of stuff. But if you have put down new lawn or you are establishing a garden, you are actually able to uh, water as much as possible. So they're not going to penalise you, uh, you know, if you've put down new lawn and you need to keep it alive. Uh, you can water as much as you want in that case. But, uh, look, watering, uh, you know, at the beginning of the day and watering at the end of the day is always a sensible thing to do before it gets uh, you know too hot because if you just start spraying all over your plants uh, you know with the hose it will evaporate quite quickly yeah uh, look that said though I always say if in the middle of the day you look out and your plant is you know drooped over and flagging and it's in obvious heat stress yeah go out there give it a drink um, you know don't necessarily go and spray all over the plant um, but uh, just give it a you know a sort of a drench and uh, hopefully it will pick up for you and get you through to the afternoon when it cools off and you can go and give it another water yeah don't um, don't be t- so scared of hunter water that uh, you know you wouldn't just go and uh, try and save your plant 
mind um, in the middle of the day if it's looking really, really stressed, especially if it's windy and 34 degrees like it is out there at the moment. Right. So no pressure and just water sensibly. Water sensibly, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yes. Gardening talk back on to you and URFM. We've got Peter from Fassy Fern, and he's got a question about fruit fly. Peter, how can we help you? Well, good morning. It's not actually a question. It's an answer to uh, uh, the statement you've made to the gentleman before about making your own traps, etc., for fruit flies. Yes, yes. I, I rang before Christmas because my last season's tomato was a bit bizarre. Mm-hmm. So I, t- I took up the gauntlet and made the, uh, the bottle, and with the Vegemite and only dusted them during the season and uh, oh, I've, I've put two traps out for six plants and I'll get about 30 fruit flies every time mm-hmm. and I haven't had one ounce of problem with my uh, tomatoes this season. Be yeah. brilliant. Oh, that's excellent. That, that's, that, so, thank you for that. Um, we like yeah. testimonials here. Yeah. <laughs> now, I might, I might suggest one thing. If any, anybody's a little bit worried about how the bottle should be drilled and all that, get onto the uh, website on the ABC Gardening Show and they show exactly that, as you described last year, how to do it. Yeah, and uh, what consistency did you make the uh, the paste at? I always recommend, you know, not too sort of watery and mushy, but, uh, you know, you just have to have a little well, bit in there. And obviously... Well, what I, 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 just, I just put about half an inch of water in the bottom, mm-hmm. dropped a half a teaspoon or a bit more of Vegemite and shook it up a bit, a couple of drops of um, detergent, and that, that was enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so you, did, you didn't use uh, any sort of insecticide, any pyrethrum or anything? No, no? Okay. no, no, nothing at all. And... Uh, Really, I've had a huge success this year. I don't. I haven't had one fly. I've got something eating them down the below. I think a rat gets in or something. But yeah, that's yeah. Beside the point. Yeah, possums and things. But look, that that's yeah. great. And uh, so you just use a bit of soap, uh, a little bit of water. You can use yeah. uh, you know a couple of drops of pyrethrum as well if you want to to sort sure, of get the job sure. done. And yeah. uh, the great thing about those traps is that you're not out there willy-nilly spraying, so you're not going to be harming the bees or any other insects uh, when you're doing yeah. it because it's only targeted towards the fruit fly going in there and uh, having a bit of a munch on that uh, on that Vegemite and uh, mm. keeling over and dying it. Mate, if you're getting 30 out of uh, you know oh. each trap, that's that's fantastic result. Incredible. It's the best season I've ever had. I, all I've got to do is get some good seeds and you to get some really taste back in the tomatoes now. <laughs> I think it's some old seed, I think. There's not yeah, much taste yeah. in the hybrid seed, I'm afraid. Yeah, anyway, and, okay. anyway, thanks for your advice last year. It's been hugely successful. Okay, well, thanks for that, Peter. We really good. appreciate it. Okay, good. Okay, Bye cheers. now. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Peter. Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp. We're out of time. We are, okay. It's uh, it's like Christmas. It's in the rear vision mirror already, isn't it? Exactly right. Yeah. Looking for ne- we'll look to next year now. Ne- next year. Well, at least next week. Anyway. 2019. Yeah. Okay. For us. Next week, you'll be back. I will be. Excellent. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>